So Mark, this was a fun one. Uh, this is the first time I've actually seen you not only raise your voice, but also uh, the veins popping out of your neck. And I know our listeners can't can't see that, but if they were envisioning your the veins on both sides of your neck popping out because you just you're so passionate about freedom. That's right. It's freedom. Yeah. And the reason why I got hot is because I don't need anybody to tell me how to take care of my body. The next thing we're going to come down the line after the helmet law is that I have to brush my teeth every morning or I'm going to be fined because it's it's a public health uh, issue if we don't take care of our teeth. Bullshit. No helmet laws. It's a freedom of choice. Mark, take it down. Welcome to the Behind the Bars podcast, where we discuss all things motorcycles, memories, and mayhem. Oh, this is awesome. Sponsored by Wilkins Harley-Davidson. Let's get this thing started. Here's John and Mark. So on the line with us again is Jim Halverson. Jim, uh, in our previous podcast, described himself as a self-proclaimed contrarian. We're going to find out pretty quickly whether, you know, where, where, he, where he lies on this whole helmet law issue, Mark. But welcome, Jim. We're, we're happy to be, uh, be on the line with you again. Great to be here, guys. I bet. I'm betting that Jim is going to try to dance that fine line, uh, like he's going to be on top of the fence and not go one way or the other. Mark, he 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 already described himself as a self-proclaimed contrarian. He's going to take a position. He's already identified that he's sort of in the middle on the position, which is kind of wishy-washy. Well, I'm in the middle of the position, so that's the point. Is that I don't think. Well, why don't we just disclose where we're at and then let's get get rolling on this, Mark? You obviously are completely extreme. So let's talk about your your kale and all that other stuff. That, Go ahead and tell us where you're, you're, you take this. That's that's fine, but I'm not going to tolerate any limp noodle stuff from Jim okay. or you. Yeah, fine. Well, tell us where you're at with this helmet law, the, the, the helmet laws. Helmet laws simply are ridiculous, period. End okay. of subject. So you just believe in 100% freedom. Uh, you don't think that, that anybody should have to wear a motorcycle helmet when they're riding on the road? I do not think the government should tell me how to protect myself on a motorcycle. It is none of their business, Jim, period. Jim, so, so do you think that they, the government has the right to protect you, yourself when you're in a car? I do not. Okay, so then if you're against helmet laws, then you would also be against seatbelt laws. That is correct. Okay. So for, you for, would for the driver. Any, you would be against any law where the government is trying to protect you. Um, I, I am against any law that is uh, about my personal protection, not against the general public's protection, which I see a distinction. Okay, so would you agree that if you were in a motor vehicle, a car, and you were in a crash, and the crash moves you away from your ability to control the car, and you had your family in the car, and you and your family are severely injured because after the collision, you could no longer control the car because you weren't even behind the driver's wheel. First of all, if you had a seatbelt, if you had a seatbelt on, you would still be behind the steering wheel and you would still be able to control that car. That is debatable. And first of all, we're talking about helmet laws, not, not safety belt laws. 
So even though you've already pinned me in that position or tried to pin me in that position, let's keep it on task here. We're talking about helmets and motorcycles, not seatbelts. Well, interesting. Okay. Interesting, Jim. Okay. He, he, he did take the, he did uh, provide himself a little bit of a, a, a flaw in that he said, I believe that the driver of the motorcycle should not have to wear a helmet. Uh, meaning, and, and go ahead and tell me if I'm wrong, Mark, but but basically you're saying the passenger might have to wear a helmet. So therefore you do see value in having to wear a helmet that it does provide safety for the for a person going down the road. The no, no, I'm I well, you, well why would you why would you say that you you did say that, correct? I did. Okay, perfect. So if you said that, then therefore you believe that there is there's some reason that a passenger should have to wear a helmet. It is a marginal amount of consideration, but marginal. yes, I will give you that. Okay, so because you would believe a passenger should have to wear a helmet, I believe that you're stating you see value in protecting someone's head it's, it's traveling an, down the highway on a motorcycle. It's an extremely limited amount of value. I will give you that. When you say extremely limited amount of value for wearing a helmet, mm. why do you say that? Tell me more. I'm really interested in this. Well, because there's an argument out there that the helmet could actually be a liability in a crash. The, the sheer mass uh, and weight and the composition of the helmet could actually protect your head, but in fact break your neck. So there are arguments uh, out there that the helmet will protect you in certain types of crashes, but in many others it will do nothing for you. Yeah, well, motorcycle helmets are designed to absorb the impact of your head hitting the ground or another other obstacle, and the less impact at a crash point means less impact on your neck and spine. Would you agree with that? No. <laughs> well, one of the, one of the primary reasons a motorcyclist is killed in a crash is a head injury. If you knew that, maybe you would wear a helmet. Well, okay, Jim. Let's look at some facts because. You and John have some opinions. Well, I'm not siding with Jim 100% because I think he just takes the extreme position. Everybody wears helmets. I, you never asked me what my position was, Mark, but I'm really interested in these facts, so I'm going to defer on what my position is, and please tell us what facts support your position that no one should have to wear helmets, oh, except for the, except for the passenger. Well, I'm sure that we'll hear your opinion at some point, and I think I know what it is anyway. Yeah, sure you do. But So in the state of Texas in 2016, which, by the way, helmets are an option in the state of Texas. They are? They are. Okay. So there were 496 motorcycle accidents that resulted in fatalities. Of that number, 217 were wearing helmets and 263 we're not. Okay? Okay, wait. So before wait. you go on, let's just, so so we all know for our listeners, you don't have to yell into the microphone. Well, you're always telling me that, you know, my levels are Jim low. Jim can hear you so. just fine. Well, I want to make sure everybody's hearing Fine. Me. Go on. So also in 2016 in Texas, there were 2,008 motorcycle accidents that resulted in incapacitating injuries. Of that number, 1,031 were wearing helmets 907 were not wearing helmets. There were 3,620 motorcycle accidents that resulted in non-incapacitating -incapac injuries. Of that number, 
20 and 20 2074 were wearing helmets 1439 were not okay so there's some facts so where's all this evidence that helmets being mandated by the government are are helping the motorcycle rider in a crash i believe it's more about a cheap solution a cheap way of making motorcycle uh, appear, motorcycle riding appear to be safer than it is. It Jim, is intrinsically dangerous. Jim, do you want to take this softball one? Well, he's right about that motorcycling is intrinsically dangerous. You're 37 times more likely to die on a motorcycle than you are in a car. So the, the term motorcycle safety is actually, to me, an oxymoron. But to delve into his statistics, well, first of all, I don't know if they're factual. He claims they are. I don't know what the source is, and I don't know. He's, he's thrown out a lot of numbers there, which I can't digest in a quick conversation. Uh, but I'll tell you this about, about helmets and about any, it's really about any safety equipment. When I was a police officer, I wore my ballistic vest every day, all the time on patrol. I did that because I knew there was great potential for danger. And I never wanted anyone to go home and tell my family I was killed in the line of duty as a result of a gunshot wound, and I didn't have my vest on. My family would be furious about me for the rest of their lives. And so this is a very selfish act if you feel you want to go out and ride a motorcycle when you know it can protect you, but you choose not to. That means it's not only you that's making the decision, but you're making these decisions that affect your family and friends. I'm not going there. I don't want to be the one to go knock on some widow's door and say, sorry, he's not coming home. If he just would have had his vest on, it would have probably been all right. Well, you look at every professional in anything that they do that requires risk, just about all of them wear the proper safety equipment. Football players wear helmets. I'm an ice climber. I wear a helmet. I just got done with a 23-mile bicycle ride. I wore a helmet. Whether the government tells me to or not. That's right. That's your choice. That's what we're true talking freedom. what That's we're talking about is legislation here. We're not talking about choosing. If you choose to do it, I don't argue with you. I don't want to be told that I have to, and I don't want to be misled by facts that aren't exactly correct. So John, what is your position? Well, Mark, let me just before I get into that. <clears throat> You know, I, I, Jim and I line up a little closer on, on this, Oh yeah, obviously, mm. because uh, he's a smart guy and he doesn't just go on the internet and read um, InfoWars yeah. and, uh, you know, crazy stuff like mm. that. But anyway, you know, so my positioning is states, you, you referenced Texas, I'm really glad you did mm. because uh, it's 20 and younger and you have to, you know, wear a helmet. And you also have to have pass a motorcycle safety course. Yeah, yes. Mark, Mark, Mark. Oh, Come on. So you got to always sprinkle in this extra stuff to keep things confusing for the rest of the world because that's how you win <laughs> debates. But frankly, so anybody that is, you know, like North Dakota, 17 and younger, Ohio, 17 and younger, Oklahoma, 17 and younger. You know, we, we, we have different laws for folks that maybe haven't uh, hit a certain um, uh, place in life where they can make a really rational uh, decision on what risk is all about, right? So would you agree with that statement? Fair enough. Okay. So my positioning is, 
you know, 20 and younger, in that range, 17 and younger, somewhere in there, because I don't want to get into the whole debate, oh, you can go off to war, but you got to wear a helmet. I, I that's where I know you'll go with this. But I, I believe a certain age, roughly 17 and younger, just to help you, uh, you know, take away your, your, your wind out of your sail on, on that other argument. But ultimately, that's that's what I believe, that you should have to wear a helmet if you're 17 and younger, and then over that, uh, have some freedom and and not have to have the government involved with with uh, your freedom when you cruise down the road like our friends over in Illinois and Iowa and New Hampshire right next door to us New Hampshire it's such a fantastic uh, area to ride and and it's really nice to be able to have that option if you want to take off your helmet I know when I'm in uh, in uh, New Hampshire I, if I want to maybe ride around a little bit and I'm going nice and easy down the road I want to take off my helmet, let the wind in my hair. That's a really nice feeling. You ever experienced that feeling, Jim? You know, I, I have. I was down in Myrtle Beach. And he, he I, has. You know what? I got to see what this no helmet thing's all about. And it, uh, under thirty miles an hour, boy, it really felt great. It was like uh, liberating, and I can see that there's some pleasure in riding without a helmet. I really can. It's, and like I said, I'm more middle of the road on this argument than you guys might think, because one of the things I say is, if you choose not to wear a helmet, there ought to be something, something on your license, something that you've already signed off on, something that says, I will not tie up medical services. I will not accept government funding to keep me alive should I be involved in an accident? I will not require a volunteer ambulance squad to leave their dinner tables and jump out of bed in the middle of the night to perform life-saving measures on me because I chose not to wear a helmet. So when you make this choice, there has to be some wise forethought that goes into, all right, well, if I do this, I'm not going to create all this havoc on the other end. They just don't have to treat me if they don't want to. Well, Jim, you know, I'm not sure I agree with your positioning on that, that you know, that, that holds water. I mean, why aren't we uh, why aren't we making it so that uh, smokers that get lung cancer are, are uh, have to have some type of waiver that we don't use uh, public funds to pick them up at their house when they're having um, trouble breathing or folks that maybe drink too much and have liver damage and have to be picked up in an ambulance and transported. I mean, that, 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 where, where does that end? We're, we're going to start, anybody takes a risk. They have to fill out a certain form so that we're now, we're not going to, and, and, and is that a bureaucratic thing that, that now we got to send in these forms to the government and notify them? Don't use public funds on me. I've now worked out the, the finer details of this. The point, the point I'm making is that when you decide to ride without a helmet, you're not only uh, going to leave a family behind that grieves because of your choices, but you're inconveniencing medical services. You're, the government now has to step up and keep you on uh, life support when your insurance runs out. They just don't pull the plug on you. So there's a, there's a lot of other things that go along with the selfish, selfish decision to say, well, I, I don't want to wear a helmet just because it feels nice. Well, Jim, I mean... Should Americans who uh, dine at McDonald's and Burger King uh, 
sign off on a waiver that, uh, you know, well, I'm engaging in this risky eating behavior. I mean, I go to great lengths to make sure I'm eating organic uh, things like kale and legumes and stuff <laughs> like that because I don't want to be a burden on the healthcare uh, world. So I'm doing my part uh, there. But your argument suggests something that's really, um, uh, it's just silly in my point of view, to be honest. You're calling Jim silly? I'm afraid I am. And it, well, th- with regard to this argument that you have to, yeah, I, I, you, I, I he's a smart he's guy. Take that. He's a very he, smart he, guy. But, I, but this thing where you have to sign a waiver, like if I'm going to go hiking in Alaska next month with the Bears, uh, should I sign off uh, my health insurance because, well, you know, I'm going to be tromping around with grizzlies. I mean, what's, where does that stop? Risky behaviors are all around us. I mean, I, I staggered through the worst part of Barry drunk two nights ago, and, you know, that's pretty risky behavior. And come on. I mean, where, where do we do that? Where do we stop this legislation part of it? Let's, let me take it to an extreme. If we're, if, Are you going to let him answer eventually? Yeah, but I will let him answer. But <laughs> I like that he keeps talking. It allows me a chance to formulate a response. The, the truth of the matter is, is if, if, if we're really concerned about burdening health care and the safety of people on motorcycles, why the hell don't we outlaw riding motorcycles altogether? It's a clearly dangerous. You're disgusting. I'm just saying. You're a disgusting and, human being for even suggesting something like well, that. Well, maybe. Mark. I think he hung something. I would, suggest, I would suggest that at the very least we outlaw motorcycles like super bikes that travel at extraordinary rates of Ugh. speed. I mean, I mean, seriously, is, is the helmet the uh. difference or are all of these other Mark, things. Mark, the veins are popping out of your neck uh, here. You're maxing out our microphone. Please, Jim, save us. <laughs> well, he, he's, but he raises really good points. Oh. Where do you stop? Thank you, Jim. <laughs> Thank you, Jim. And, yeah, and I'm not, not going to disagree with it. All I'm saying is, is that there, there needs to be a way that's explored that if someone chooses to make these riskier decisions that somewhere along the line somebody else gets to say look this is enough is enough this is we're not gonna we're not going to continually address these issues when we have people who are choosing to um, make a risky behavior even riskier I I I don't think this is gonna go anywhere you know the, the fact is is not only did this turn around and this, this you and Jim are basically riding alongside on on maybe even on the same motorcycle, you know, I, I this is just not going to go anywhere. Um, I think you've articulated your position. It's extreme as always. And uh, I'm talking to Mark here, by the way, Jim, that he just... He's gone off the deep end. No, I haven't gone off the deep end. You well, know, there's a there's a recurring word, particularly in the Harley Davidson culture, and that word is freedom. Yeah. Okay. I agree. So, what? Where is the freedom in being told that I have to put a two pound block on the top of my head, which could very well restrict my vision and hearing, and snap my neck in the event that I not, go down? But there's no proof of that. You have no factual there's basis. No, there's for that. no empirical evidence that indicates that's true. He knows that. Jim. Just like a lot of other motorcycling myths. 
he he knows that he's citing some Infowars. Uh, I should be uh, wearing. Website. I should be mandated to wear body armor as well. Spinal injuries without body armor are much more prevalent than with. So. You, Basically, do you have some basis for this? You have a factual support for this? It's the same argument as wearing the helmet. That if you if you if you protect yourself to some small degree by putting on body armor or a helmet, that it's going to make a difference in your safety. On it a is a fact. Helmeted riders suffer far fewer significant spinal injuries than exposed and ones. And let those who subscribe to that point of view choose to wear a helmet. And those of us who don't should not have to wear We would love to hear from our listeners on our Facebook page. I'm going to do a little plug here. We would love to hear your thoughts on helmet, no helmet, uh, age requirements, or even gyms, uh, the McDonald's theory, which says uh, if you eat a McDonald's uh, double uh, double uh, Mac, uh, what, what are they calling it now? You eat those all the time. The, the Big Macs? Yeah, the Big yeah. Macs. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, du- yeah. yeah, but the double one. Yeah, yeah. The double Big Mac. That you fill out a form. You fill out a form. You fill out a form. Well, when you're checking out at McDonald's, you f- you swipe your card, and then it says, hey, are you waiving all your future health right. benefits? Yeah, and when you go out to sunbathe at the beach and you choose not to yeah, wear sun protection. Yeah, a person like a concierge walks up to you and has you fill out a form. So Yeah, you're, young man, you're not wearing sunscreen. You're putting what yourself. SPF, what SPF should they wear? It, it should be mandated. No, it, but I which, mean, what, what's the basic level of 140. SPF? 140. 140. Jim, Jim Halverson, <laughs> if, if, if you're not wearing the 140 SPF, yeah. you must fill out a form. Because you're courting disaster, melanoma. <laughs> you guys know how to take an argument to the extreme. Very enlightening, <laughs> Jim. It's always a great time to have you on. We appreciate your uh, your positions. You always have good stuff to support it. Um, we would love to have you back, as always, and maybe uh, maybe you have another position that you want to um, take. And uh, we certainly can do our research before we before we go battle with you, because because Jim. Uh, Jim, who do you who who do you uh, contribute for what magazine? I, I'm a contributor under the rights column in Motorcycle Consumer News. That's a, uh, a subscriber-based publication with no um, no commercials or advertisements, so it's all user-supported. Nice. Well, let's circle back in the future, Jim. This is a good one, and uh, um, we appreciate your time very, very much. Thank you, Jim. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening to the Behind the Bars podcast, sponsored by Wilkins Harley-Davidson. Stay tuned for our next exciting podcast. Check out additional information on WilkinsHarley.com.